If you have your Bibles, turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. We're going to follow up from our message on Sunday with some application that uh, we didn't have time to make. So let's pray together. Almighty God, we worship you because you are God. We acknowledge that you are in this place wherever we are. We acknowledge that you have given us scripture, that your word is living and active. We praise you because you are the good shepherd and you would lead us every step of the way if we would just listen and let you. And that's what we desire to do right now. To this end, we pray for your glory. It's through Christ I pray. Amen. So we're in this series through Habakkuk and Habakkuk 2. Uh, last week, we continued to talk about what do you do when you're waiting on God? Habakkuk is frustrated with God. He is wrestling with God. He embraces God. He wrestles with God. He embraces God. God tells him he has to wait. God's going to do great things, but he has to wait. And one of the hardest things in life is waiting. I think one of the greatest, um, uh, perhaps, and least appreciated um, marks of maturity is persistence. The ability not to quit when you're in the middle of seasons of waiting. And, uh, and so we're going to pick up here just a couple things that, that we want to glean from Habakkuk chapter 2. What do you do while you're waiting? Have, having said that, um, I again, I want to thank those of you who've sent me emails about how you have acted on on these things that uh, we've been talking about and how God has used that. Um, part of what we said is waiting is getting God's perspective and not feeding on the world's perspective and so getting dragged down by that. And um, I didn't have a chance to share in detail some of the things that were written to me, so I just wanted to take a second for that. Um, like I said, one, one woman shared about how it's been really important for them to back off, that she's been concerned uh, back off with the media and its negativity and um, and really its 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 worldly perspective. Um, it's been discouraging and how God's blessed as a result of doing that. Kathleen Perry said that she had been sensing a nudge from God to lessen the garbage in and um, and so she was really thankful for that. Um, she was thankful. She said for the encouragement to share her faith with somebody. She said before the holidays. I met somebody looking for a church. I reached out to them to invite them a couple of times and to, to New Life, to follow New Life. And she said that she really appreciated the nudge to do that after the sermon that she did that again. But she said, she said she's a bit of an overachiever. And so she actually did another thing that um, she didn't just want to do less of the garbage in stuff. She wanted to... Uh, fill that with positive service for the Lord. And so uh, she said that uh, she found some furniture to deliver for Passion for Community. Our Passion for Community ministry serves needy families in the community. She said that she and her husband, Tim, went and met an amazing man and made a new connection. By the way, I understand that Tim and Kathleen um, are like superstars with um, serving people in the community through passion for community. Um, just really appreciate that. 
But she said this man was looking for a church to connect to and to be active in, and so they told him about New Life and invited him. So we continued chatting, and then we learned that this man's brother works for Ashley Furniture. So they always throw, Ashley Furniture always throws away slightly damaged furniture. So because of this conversation, they're setting up a meeting with our leaders of the Pastor community and her brother with Ashley Furniture. She says, God may be opening a door to us due to me trying to find a more productive usage for my time. Isn't that great? Isn't that how God works? We take one step of obedience to him and he ends up doing more than we ever could have, have expected. So that's... Um, that's the answer to prayer. Thank you for sharing. And, and again, if you are taking next steps and seeing God at work or finding any encouragement, somebody said, um, you know, Brett, when you t- encouraged us to reach out to somebody, I thought God was telling me I needed to reach out to you to encourage you. And it's like, well, thank you. That was really nice. I appreciated that too. So second chapter of Habakkuk, I want us to listen again. Um, God says to wait. God gives Habakkuk and the people of Israel um, orders to wait, to be patient. What do you do while you're waiting? And he spends most of this chapter sharing woes of the disobedient. Think about that. I'm going to read this again. And I want for you to ask, what is it that God is trying to communicate that he's spending so much time saying, wait, and, um, uh, and he focuses on the sins of Babylon. Uh, we'll pick it up in verse 6. Woe to all of these, um, to all of these who take up a taunt against him. Um, I'm sorry, won't all of these take up a taunt against him with mockery and riddles about him? So in other words, this, in the original language, the, 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 what it communicates there is that this is a poem, a song filled with double entente. I mean, just filled with uh, double messages of... Uh, the, of, of how what Babylon does, the evil that they do, is going to come back on it as God's justice on them. This is not karma. This is God's justice, by the way. Verse 6. Woe to him who amasses what is not his. How much longer? And loads himself with goods taken in pledge. Won't your creditors suddenly arise and those who disturb you wake up? Then you will become spoil for them. Since you have plundered many nations, all these people who remain will plunder you. Because of human bloodshed and violence against lands and cities and all who live them. In other words, it looks like Babylon is on the right side of history. But if you're on the wrong side of God, you're not on the right side of history. And all of this evil that they do, all this injustice that they do, in time... Justice will be meted out. Verse 9. Woe to him who dishonestly makes wealth for his house to place his nest on high to escape the grasp of disaster. You have planned shame for your house by wiping out many peoples and sinning against your own self. For the stones will cry out from the wall and the rafters will answer them from the woodwork. The Bible is very clear. Um, Honest wages earned through integrity are a blessing from God. Dishonest 
earnings are worthy of punishment. Um, there's no place in the Bible where God, um, where God punishes people for being wealthy in itself. It's not the money. That's what materialistic people, that's the materialistic mindset that focuses on that. It's the motivation. It's the process for getting the money, the procedure. Did, was it, were, were, were you honoring God or were you dishonoring God and, and, and sinning against people? Verse 12. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with injustice. It is not from the Lord's Lord of armies that the peoples labor only to fuel the fire and countries exhaust themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God's glory as the waters cover the sea. Boy, I tell you, I read that and, and, and you know, you can't read that as an American and not think about slavery. Woe to him who builds a city or a country with bloodshed and founds the town or city with injustice. Now, people who know history know that there was a lot of debate. There were a lot of people who opposed slavery at the beginning of the United States. But they were more concerned with unity at the moment than they were with doing what was right in God's eyes. And what's the result? Here we are over 200 years later, and we're still experiencing the natural consequences that come from building a nation with injustice, which ought to give a warning to us right now because I read this and I think of abortion. We're building our nation on bloodshed. And th there are many people that are for it, not, not moral people, not godly people, but biblical people. But then there are Christians who are just wanting to be pragmatic. Well, you know, we, we can't legislate against it, shouldn't legislate against it. But the warning here is if you build the nation on injustice, there is a payday someday. And unfortunately, it will probably be for our children and grandchildren or great-grandchildren down the line. But it is part of the reason why we want to repent and be right with God. Verse, six, verse 15. Woe to him who gives his neighbor drink, pouring out your wrath and even making them drunk in order to look at their nakedness. You'll be filled with disgrace instead of glory. You also drink and expose your uncircumcision. The cup of the Lord's right hand will come around you and utter disgrace will cover your glory. For your violence against Lebanon will overwhelm you. The destruction of animals will terrify you because of your human bloodshed and violence against lands, cities, and all who live in them. Now, please don't ever think that the Bible is not graphic. You know, the picture here is they make people drunk to take advantage of them. And although what they're talking about here can be seen uh, metaphorically, it's a metaphor based on literally what the Babylonians did, what conquering nations would do. 
They would literally make men be naked. They would, and now what it's saying is, and now your nakedness will be exposed. You know, you, you filled with glory and distress, you'll expose your uncircumcision, you'll be, you know, make them drunk, knocking down. And so what happened to the Babylonians, what the Babylonians did to others will come back on them. And, 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 it, and it, what, it's kind of interesting, though it doesn't happen in Habakkuk's day. Habakkuk won't live to see this. This generation, many in this generation, a few will, but many won't, most won't. Um, do you, do you do, do you set people up? Do you ever set people up to take advantage of them? That's, that's what this is the woe against. Verse, verse 18, uh, what use is a carved idol after its craftsman carves it? It is only a cast image, a teacher of lies. The one who crafts it, shapes it, shapes trusts the, the one who crafts its shape trusts in it and makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, wake up, or to mute stone, come alive. Can it teach? Look, it may be plated with gold and silver, yet there is no breath in it at all. I think of the, um, the, the Hindu temple that I visited in Nepal where they... Um, where they were, it was a crematorium where they were literally burning these dead bodies on these f funeral pyres. And the place was just dark. It was just evil. You could just feel the spiritual evil in that place. And so we may look at this as 20th century or 21st century Westerners and think, why in the world did they give any see any power in these idols? And the answer is because the idols were possessed by demonic powers. Um, and, and, and they just as today, their curses are placed on, um, on Hindu idols, for instance, and, 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 and those priests or, or black magic can, um, can cause these things. So, so, you know, the woe to those who say to the wood, wake up, who give who give evil powers to these physical things. What's wonderful though is this whole, so much of this chapter is just dark, it's heavy, it's full of woes. And then all of a sudden, verse 20 puts it in perspective, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Yeah, there are evil spirits, there, there are evil things, there's lots of injustice, there's lots of bloodshed, there's, um, there, there are demonic spirits at work. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in his presence. Two things that I would have us take away from Habakkuk 2. Two things, I think, two applications. First of all, be confident in God's justice. Why is it that God tells this to Habakkuk? Because Habakkuk is not going to see the day of God's justice. Can you trust God's justice? even though you may never see it in your lifetime. That's the challenge of waiting. That's the challenge for Habakkuk. Can you keep faith? Can you persevere? Believing that God is just and he will be just and he will make all things right and all things new. But just as for 400 years, the people of Israel died in Egypt. Um, just as for 400 years between 
the last writing of the prophet in the Old Testament, there was silence before the coming of Christ. Um, just as, if you look at, at Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of the faith, they all died. It says without receiving the promise of what they waited for. They all died without seeing the Christ. Faith means that we can wait for the Lord even though it means waiting beyond our lifetime. The second reason that I think Habakkuk 2 is practical for us is it just it reminds us that to wait means so what do you do in that waiting period? You recall the 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 um, graph that I or the, the, the the graphic that I shared with you about how God has a dream or has dreams for all of our lives, but immediately there is delay, and often delay is followed by more delay, which leads to discouragement and um, and 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 disheartening and um, uh, other disses, and then that leads to full-blown doubt and even despair. And you can bail out on God at this point. You can quit. You can quit believing. You can try to help God. You can try to force things and manipulate events. Or you can wait on the Lord. And what happens when we wait on the Lord is that God then gives us the greater dreams that we cannot do ourselves. Is there anybody who's listening to me who's given up on your dreams? You've given up that God can do anything significant in your life, let alone a greater dream. What do you do when you wait? What do you focus on? I think the most practical thing I can share with you is we serve. Go to the restaurant. Sometime when COVID is over, you can go to a restaurant. You ever wonder why the person bringing you water is called the waiter? You know, it's like he's not the one waiting for food. I am. You know, I'm the customer. I'm, I, why, I should be called the waiter. We should be called the waiters. But no, because we know that waiting, another word for serving is waiting. That's why we talk about the ladies in waiting who serve the queen. What do you do when you are waiting for the Lord? You serve. Focus on serving. It was really easy in ministry for ministers to want to be significant, to feel like what they're doing is significant. And now usually what they mean by that is I, it, I, there need to be more people listening to me preach or there need to be more people who know my name or I need to do something that you know, makes me famous or I need to write some books so other people, you know, I, I need to speak at some conferences or something like that. It's like, I want to do something significant. And if you get, when we get into the waiting seasons, it can feel like we're doing nothing significant. Habakkuk, nobody's listening to him. Habakkuk is not being exalted. Habakkuk is not receiving praise. Habakkuk is not popular. And so what's it mean? It means Habakkuk, you serve. Significance is not determined by how many people it impacts, how many people know about it. Significance 
is determined by are you serving as God is calling you to serve right now in obedience to him? That's it. God is the one who determines significance. And he came to serve and to give. Waiting faithfully means serving faithfully now. It's Jesus' principle, faithful with little, faithful with much. And what happens when you can focus on serving, simply serving while you wait? Lord, I don't know. It's Joseph in prison, by the way. Joseph just serves in, in, in obscurity. He serves where few people appreciate. He serves where nobody really cares and nobody's impressed. I mean, nobody, like, really important. But God uses that time of waiting and serving to prepare Joseph to become the second most powerful man in the world of his day. And for service then that God exalts him to that place. God has purpose for your life. Other people may not notice. You may not feel like you have many much giftedness. But God's greatest dreams always follow serving. And God's greatest dreams are always accomplished by his greatest servants. Because the greatest servant is the one who went to the cross for us. What do you hear the Lord say to you today? Habakkuk 2 in your time of waiting, serve. Who do you need to serve in the name of the Lord? Who do you need to serve in the name of waiting on the Lord? Heavenly Father, make us your people today. Make us content with serving. Make us, help us to know the significance of, like Joseph, being a slave doing what we're told to do, um, doing the best that we can exactly where we are, and not whining, but giving thanks in all things, and therefore entrusting the moment, entrusting tomorrow, entrusting the future to you. Lord, I pray for servants right now who are hearing my voice, that today they would know what they're doing is significant, even though it may feel like it's monotonous and unimpressive. May they simply be content with obedience to you. And may you amplify that because you are glorified through our humble services. Through Christ I pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. If you found this encouraging, um, share it with somebody else. If you didn't find it encouraging, don't tell anybody. We'll see you next time.